Hello, hello everyone, and welcome back into the Stretch Big Pod. I am your host, Jacob Bigelow, and I am coming at you one day after Nebraska's dominant 86-70 victory over Indiana at Pinnacle Bank Arena to improve to 12-2 on the season 2-1 in the Big Ten. As we sit here on January 4th when I record this, Happy New Year. To those of you listening, uh, I'm following uh, Larry David's rule that you can still say Happy New Year until January 7th. That's a great Curb Your Enthusiasm episode, by the way. But uh, Happy New Year. Hope you all had a safe, joyful, and wonderful uh, holiday season uh, with uh, you know Christmas and New Year since, we, uh, since I last talked to you guys. Um, didn't feel like uh, doing a preview or a recap of uh, Nebraska's game against uh, South Carolina State. Probably wasn't going to do one regardless, but I then was uh, pretty sick um, for the majority of last week. <laughs> so I I was not in attendance for that game. If you followed along, I was uh, some tweets from the couch <laughs> for that Nebraska-South Carolina State game. But uh, we don't need to touch on that. Um, I was back at Pinnacle Bank Arena on uh, Wednesday night for the first of a couple 8 o'clock weeknight tip-offs. And it was Nebraska taking on Indiana. Um, It was good for me to see former Nebraska assistant coach Kenya Hunter, uh, now the associate head coach in Indiana under uh, Mike Woodson. It was good to talk to him a little bit prior to the game. He's definitely the uh, assistant coach from... You know, my time as a manager that I am you know, still the closest with, and it was good to see him. And uh, you know, I tried to warn him that uh, Casey Tomonaga was going to be uh, hunting shots more than, uh, more than he had been recently with all of his uh, family in town, but um, <laughs> he must have been a little too late to adjust the defensive game plan against Casey, but we will get to that later. But as we sit here, January 4th, Nebraska is 12-2, and like I said, Right at the top, they defeated Indiana 86-70, to and even though the final deficit was 16, the final, not deficit, the final margin was 16 points, game was not really that close. Nebraska led this game by eight at halftime, and there were, there was multiple, couple instances in the second half where they were up, you know, they were up 22, one point, that was their largest lead, hung around 20 for a little bit, um, and it probably could have been more. Uh, the story of this game, you know, uh, Indiana turned the ball over 19 times. Nebraska was able to capitalize off of those 19 turnovers, 15 of which uh, were steals, just some lazy, uh, for lack of a better term, half-ass passes from Indiana's guards that went directly into the hands of uh, waiting Husker defenders. And Nebraska, like I said, 15 of those 19 turnovers were steals. And Nebraska had 27 points off of those turnovers. You know, if you look at the box score, you don't look at the final score. You see that, you know, Nebraska got out-rebounded 36-29. You know, they got out-rebounded. You know, Indiana had seven more defensive rebounds. They were even on the offensive glass, but, you know, second-chance points were pretty even. Indiana had more points off the bench, more points in the paint. They had more assists. Um, you know, Indiana shot 47% from the field and 50% from three, and they lost by 16. Uh, those turnovers and the points off of them 
we're we're a big well not a big that's that's your ball game folks that's the that's the difference because you know Indiana uh, Kalel Ware still finished with twenty points uh, Malik Renu kind of got going more in the second half I did not realize Trey Galloway got to ten but you know Indiana's in a weird spot their uh, their backcourt play their guard play is you know suspect at best and they were. Um, you know, they got Xavier Johnson back. He had missed the previous seven games. One time, Tim Miles commits to Nebraska, Xavier Johnson, uh, still playing college basketball at Indiana. And he, you know, played 15 minutes in his first game back in a while, over three from the field, two boards, three assists, three fouls, four turnovers. Um, you know, they, Indiana, they had three guys with four turnovers, and it was Xavier, Kalel Ware, and Renault. Trey Galloway had three. Um, Mike Woodson in the post game said that his, you know, his starting guards were awful, um, and he just, you know, harped on again and again the importance of uh, those nineteen turnovers. And you're not going to beat anybody when you are going on the road in a conference game and you turn it over that many times. But for Nebraska, this was kind of the first look at a case, you know, vintage case Tomanaga, you know, nuclear game. So finishes with 28 on 9 of 15 shooting, just 4 of 10 from 3. He did make 6 of his 7 attempts to the line, but a couple of those 3s he made, uh, the one, I think the most vintage one that I was kind of just laughing at at the point it went in was when they, you know, Renault deflects Kese's pass, but Kese jumps back to get it, and then for some reason Malik Renault leaves him and I, I could you could kind of see the look on Casey's in Casey's eyes uh, even all the way up from press row like oh you're gonna leave me yeah I'll take this and he nailed it and that was just um you know at the point in that game in the, the way the game was going it was so it was hard for me not to laugh at that shot going in but Casey had his family you know his parents uh, in from Japan as well as you know some of his uh, you know some uh, someone who one of his high school classmates was uh, in attendance with a student sec- in this what would be the student section saying I flew six thousand miles to see Casey. Um, there was a little a lot of international flavor in the building at Pinnacle Bank Arena. Rink Mass had family in the building as well, and we'll talk about his his impact here in a little bit. But Tomala- Tomonaga leads the way with twenty eight. Bryce Williams scored fifteen, uh, had three big threes. Um, and he only played five minutes in the first half due to foul trouble. Kind of got, kind of were teetering on the brink of a ref show if Nebraska hadn't been, you know, imposing their will thanks to the turnovers. That uh, Nebraska can't cannot, cannot get away from Kelly Pfeiffer. That was another another visit from Kelly Pfeiffer. Cannot escape him or the Kansas City Disc Dogs, I guess, because that was their second halftime show appearance of the year. But we're not here to break down halftime shows. Um, but Williams with 15 on 5 of 10 shooting. Jamarcus Lawrence, 12. C.J. Wilcher, 11. The C.J. Wilcher renaissance. I alluded to it on one of the first episodes of this podcast, and since then he has been really, really damn good. He started off 3 for 3, had to leave the game uh, due to back spasms. Fred Hoiberg uh, clarified after the game that his, you know, that was the reason he uh, went back to the locker room, didn't come back much after, didn't come back at all afterwards in the second half. And, you know, Wilcher, you know, had to play extended minutes in the first half. Uh, Nebraska had a couple guys with, 
you know, Williams and Juwan Gary in foul trouble, and CJ had to play some extended minutes in the first half, and he made the most of them. Started off three of three from three, and he's been really, really good. Um, the South Carolina State game, he was also in North North Dakota. He was also uh, really good. So the CJ Wilcher, you know, re- renaissance uh, continues. But Nebraska, hell of an effort, you know, to, um, you know. Open up the full slate of conference play with a dominant, you know, win that was never in doubt. Um, Indiana, like I said earlier, they're in a weird spot. I don't know where they'll end up in the Big Ten. Kalel Ware's really good, the seven footer who transferred into IU from Oregon, and you know he, you know he was kind of doing whatever he wanted. You know when they, when the guards threw it up to him, like he had, could jump up and catch it. He made it look easy. There were a few too many times they were trying to like bounce pass it into him. They were throwing it at his feet. That kind of led to some of the turnovers. But where he's there he's he's their offense. Uh he, you know, that's all quite literally it's all around him because he's the he's the center, but you know, he finished with twenty and ten on nine of twelve shooting. But in he did also have a flagrant, flagrant foul where he kind of tried to use his hand as a face mask on Josiah Alec. But that was kind of, other than that, he kind of did whatever he wanted to do. I don't know what to think of Indiana. Uh, Nebraska does go back to Assembly Hall in February for a, a, a return game against IU. I'll be interested to see, obviously, how both teams look when we get to that point in the season. But for now, you know, we Nebraska is 12-2. and two. And they got a big stretch of games coming up in the next seven days. I sit here recording this on Friday, um, not Friday, Thursday, January the 4th. Um, and within the next eight days, I should say, Nebraska will go on the road twice. And then they will also host the number one team in the country. Um, you know, so to recap, you know, that's. Kind of my thoughts on the Indiana game. Um, you know, Nebraska. Nebraska played well. Their defensive intensity it was, you know, full forty minutes. It might have been the most complete forty minutes Nebraska has had all season. But they were they were juiced up. The crowd was juiced up, and even, even for a you know winter break game where the uh, student section was not in attendance, it w- was pretty pretty good juiced up you know crowd for a weeknight eight o'clock tip. And I'm sure that'll continue if Nebraska can keep this momentum rolling. So 86-70 to 70 over Indiana probably should have been by more. Um, but, you know, the you know 27 points off 19 turnovers, that's your ballgame. And then, it, you know, t- people had been kind of clamoring for a Kese, Kese Tomonaga experience, some vintage, you know, some flashbacks to the end of last year. That was kind of our... First look at a game like that, uh, Fred Hoiberg joked after the game that he told Casey's parents they just need to get a place here because uh, he plays. He's on a he's been playing on a different level whenever his uh, folks are in the building. So now we can shift our focus to Saturday. Nebraska goes on the road for their just their third true road game of the season. They venture up to the Kohl Center in Madison, Wisconsin, to take on top twenty-five ranked Wisconsin. Uh, the Badgers, I will, you know, hand up, was not expecting what we've gotten so far from this Wisconsin team. I've been down on Greg Gard. I've been down on some of their uh, t- the talent that is still on this roster for Wisconsin, but they're off to a 10-3 and three start. 
And their three losses are against Tennessee, who's a damn good team. Arizona, who's a damn good team. That's two top ten teams. Then they lost to Providence in their MTE event. No, that wasn't their MTV event. That was the Gavit Games. They went to Providence, lost by 13 on the road to the Friars. But those are their three losses. Uh, they beat Marquette. They beat Sparty. Um, and then this week in conference, their return to conference play, they uh, pulled away in the second half to take care of Iowa in Madison, 83-72. Um, so Wisconsin, you know, the metrics really like them. They have found a groove on both ends of the floor. And obviously the straw that stirs the drink for Wisconsin is Chucky Hepburn at the point guard spot. Um, we can run through their personnel a little bit. Obviously, um, if you're um, if you've followed Nebraska the last couple of years, you know local high school basketball. You know Chucky. You know Chucky Hepburn, Omaha native, Bellevue West th- uh, graduate, state champion at Bellevue West, six two point guard. Uh, he has started and played significant minutes since the second he stepped on campus in Madison, this now being his junior season. Um, the biggest addition to um, Wisconsin's roster has been A.J. Store. A.J. Store, 6'7", transfer from, he transferred from St. John's. He's an Illinois kid, uh, was originally committed to Brad Underwood and the fighting Illini, but then I don't know what happened in his recruiting process, but he wound up at St. John's. Now he finds himself in Madison, and um, Wisconsin hasn't had many players like A.J. Storr. Uh, the athleticism at the guard spot, uh, it's a little uh, little eye-opening. Uh, there was a sequence in the Wisconsin-Iowa game the other night where you know it was still a pretty close game in the second half, and Chucky Hepburn on a fast break threw a lob off the backboard to A.J. Storr for a dunk. Um, I would love to know what Bo Ryan's thoughts on that or Dick Bennett or some of the old Wisconsin coaches of yesteryear would have thought uh, seeing that happen on the court at the Kohl Center in a Wisconsin basketball game. Just a little bit different. But Storr, he's their leading scorer, 15 a game, um, 6'7", bouncy. I watched uh, him play in a summer ball tournament at Speedway Village in Lincoln a couple summers ago when he was committed to Illinois. Uh, watched his team go up against Isaac Trout's, you know, Supreme group. That was a really fun tournament looking back on it now. But AJ Storr, he's long, he's really athletic, and he's he's bouncy. Um, you know, Wisconsin hasn't had many players like him. The two big guys who I feel like have been here forever, Stephen Crowell, a seven-footer, junior Minnesota kid, Stephen Crowell, and Tyler Wall. To the two, no, I forgot they're both Minnesota kids, the Twin Towers, Minnesota boys, Crowell and Wall. Crowell averaging just under 13 and eight boards. Uh, Wall averaging a shade under 12 and six. Um, they both, you know, they... Um, Crowell will step out, he'll take threes. Tyler Wall will not... But they, you know, they feel like it's the, you know, they are definitely the stereotypical Wisconsin big men. Uh, if you've watched, you know, you know the Big Ten, uh, you know, since Nebraska joined it, Wisconsin's always got guys who play like these guys. Going back to Ethan Happ, even Kaminsky, like they're just fundamentally sound. They, you know, the back to the basket, they're back to the basket bigs who can step out and shoot it. They're not the most athletic guys, but. They're the second and third 
uh, leading scorers for the Badgers. I mentioned Chucky Hepburn. He is the he is fifth in scoring for Wisconsin at eight point six points per game, go along with three three boards, four assists, and a shade under two steals. Um, so that's where Chucky's at to start the year. Um, the freshman for Minnesota, uh, John Blackwell, not Minnesota, Wisconsin. I got the Minnesota kids on the brain. Uh, freshman for Wisconsin, John Blackwell. He's a Michigan kid. Um, first kind of watched him in action you know, in the early conference slate where they were playing Michigan State in East Lansing, and he had a ton of friends and family there. He's a 6'4 guard. Um He's all he's he's pretty he's pretty quick too. Um, he's kind of supplanted Connor Asijian. Um, you know, Connor Asijian. He went to he went to media day with Wisconsin, and we have hardly seen him at all. Um, he had a you know was one of the freshmen who played really well last year, and kind of was you know thought to be one of the the go to guys for Wisconsin coming into the year. Like I said, I saw him Big Ten media day. He was there with Chucky and uh, Max Klesmet. Um, and we have hardly seen Connor Asijian. He's only playing around seven and a half minutes a game. Um, but Blackwell has kind of, he's taken those minutes that some people probably thought would go to Asijian. He's averaging nine, four boards, um, 45% from the field, 46% from three. Um, so he's been a pleasant surprise as well for Wisconsin. I mentioned Klesmit. He's, uh, he's, the local boy, he's from Nina, Wisconsin. Um, he he um, he'll uh, he'll uh, give some guys some a blow in the you know those guards in the backcourt. Chucky Store, you know, Klesman, He's been in and out of the starting lineup, but he you know he plays twenty six minutes a game. You'll see plenty of him. Uh, Carter Gilmore is the backup big. He's you know six seven. Uh, you know, not as big as Wall or Crowell, but those are kind of the the main pieces. For Wisconsin now, where they've found where they've found themselves, you know, is on the offensive end. They're a top twenty team in adjusted offensive efficiency on Ken Palm. There's a lot of green on offense. You've heard me talk about it. If your team has green on their Ken Palm page, that's really good. Wisconsin currently fifteenth in Ken Palm, sixteenth in offensive efficiency. Uh, they've they've found something. Uh, they were you know. Playing on, you know, they were a bottom bottom four team in the league last year, but they you know, brought a bunch of they brought almost everybody back. They just added the one transfer in store, and then some high school talent, and that's kind of you know the opposite of you know, the way some teams are building nowadays. But you know you want to keep guys in your in your program for multiple years. That's a great guard has done with this group. So Saturday, uh, yeah, one o'clock on. I believe BTN, Nebraska, and Wisconsin from Madison. The metrics, uh, Ken Palm says Wisconsin by nine, gives Nebraska a 21% chance to win. Bart Torvik says Wisconsin by seven, gives the Badgers a 75% chance to win, so 25% for the Huskers. Um, a lot of green on Wisconsin's Torvik page, too. They're... They are the team that I have been eating the most crow on. I did not expect uh, what we've seen from them. And then Evan Mayakawa uh, says Wisconsin by 6.8, so right around 7, uh, like Ken Palm had. So uh, has the win probability 
for Nebraska, 25%. So kind of uniform across the board in terms of how the metrics see this game for the Huskers. Um, you know, I think the way, you know, Nebraska is going to have to, Nebraska is going to have to, you know, carry some things over from the game against Indiana. We've, we've seen, we, you know, they've, they've had the big wins, Indiana, Michigan State, Kansas State, even going, you know, Oregon State at the Pentagon. They've had these big wins. They've shown flashes of what they want to be, but they haven't really put back-to-back games together. Um, you know, even if they even if they lose close on Saturday, yeah, one fifteen tip Saturday on BTN, um, ESPN BPI gives Nebraska only a sixteen <laughs> percent chance to win the game. But um, so Nebraska, you know, they're gonna have to carry some stuff over. Um, it's gonna also be, you know, I'm interested to see how they defend Crow and Wall. Um, that is, you know, rank mast. I didn't talk about him in the Indiana game, but we can kind of weave both games together. So last we heard, last you heard from me, you know, Fred Hoiberg announced that rink had a minor knee procedure done, uh, the day after the Kansas state game and said he'd return in early January. Um, he returned on January 3rd, so early January, but by all accounts, you know, it was kind of, you know, it was, it was the definition of a game time decision. Mass had only practiced for a day and a half before he took the court against IU Played for 30 minutes. It was not his most efficient game by any stretch of the word. Only nine points, three of ten shooting, did not make a three. Made his free throws, three boards, three assists. He still found a way to do a little bit of everything um, in his first game back. Had a brace on, was doing a lot of, you know, stretching and, you know, work with uh, strength coach Kurt Joseph before the game. But he not only came back, but he started – Played for 30 minutes because of the foul trouble, but you know, with I talked about how important he's going to be with uh, the matchups against some of the bigs, and he held, you know, Kalel Ware still finished with 20, but you know, Mass held his own. He had a couple jump hook makes over a seven footer, and you know, he he played hard, and you know, he looked looked like he was moving fine. So to have Rink Mass back going into this stretch is pretty big uh, for Nebraska. I think you know it's a I think Wisconsin is pretty pretty damn good. I don't think they're, you know, playing on the road Saturday afternoon in Madison. Cole Center's a good venue. Wisconsin fans love basketball. Um, that's uh, probably my favorite road win as a student manager uh, came up at the Cole Center. That's a fun place to play, fun place to win if you're lucky enough to steal one on the road. So Nebraska-Indiana on Saturday afternoon, one fifteen. The next week, um, Tuesday night, another 8 o'clock tip, uh, the number one team in the country comes to Lincoln, Purdue, uh, the Purdue Boilermakers, who I've kind of said are in a tier of their own in the Big Ten right now. I'll have a more in-depth preview of Purdue. I'll sit down and record it on Sunday night. And then um, to end the week, Friday, Nebraska goes to Iowa City for an 8.30 p.m. Friday night tip against the Hawkeyes, who have not won a, a, a Big Ten game yet. Um, I, they're a team that could be flirting with disaster you know, just because of the fact that they don't really play much defense. That's kind of been the, uh, the fatal flaw under Fran McCaffrey for Iowa basketball. So those two games next week, but first a trip to Madison uh, for Nebraska. Uh, can kind of end with a look around the league. You know, recently I alluded to it. I think I still think uh, Purdue is in a league 
of their own. They got off, you know, they started off conference play with a little, you know, ho-hum, uh, went on the road at Maryland. They won by 14, 67-53. Um, like I said, uh, Wisconsin pulled away the second half. They were tied with Iowa at the half, pulled away, uh, won that game by 11 in Madison. And then Illinois, um, without Terrence Shannon Jr., um, if you're unaware, t- um, you know, all-American candidate Terrence Shannon Jr. Um, he's been suspended indefinitely by Illinois. Um, he's been charged um, with rape in the uh, state of Kansas. He visited Lawrence when Illinois played there in football and uh, had charges um, filed against him, and um, they are dealing with that process, legal process, um, right now. So Indiana is without you know an All-American in Terrence Shannon, and they – Hosted Northwestern earlier this week, and they won by 30. Marcus Domask, Southern Illinois transfer, 32 points on 11 of 15 shooting. You know, he is really good. Uh, Illinois, you know, um, we don't know how the uh, process will go with uh, Terrence Shannon, but I would say until further notice, he's probably not going to be playing. Um, he's you know, hasn't played in the last two games due to uh, his current situation, but you know, Indiana, Illinois still has Marcus Domas. Quincy Gurrier has been playing well. Uh, Coleman Hawkins has been, you know, he's he, he's had some pretty good highlight plays. And, you know, Luke Goody can go make some threes. Dane Danger is still a uh, <laughs> still a brick, you know what, house down low. So Indiana's not Indiana. Illinois still got some pieces. They're the number nine team in the country right now. They took care of business against Northwestern. Uh, by 30. Um, Northwestern, still don't know what to think of them. They come to Lincoln later this month uh, for Alumni Weekend. Danny Nee and the 94 Big 8 Tournament Championship team will be back for that game later this month. We'll talk about that uh, when the time comes. Other happenings, uh, Ohio State over Rutgers by 4. Rutgers was down 13 at half. They tried to battle back into it, but I still... Really like this Ohio State team. Bounce back year for Chris Holtman after how last year went. Jameson Battle, that was kind of an unsung, quiet, big-time transfer get. He had 22 last night. Bruce Thornton had 24. Uh, And then right now, actually, um, Michigan State, they won by 31 at home against Penn State. I think we can definitively say Penn State is now the proverbial worst team in the conference. Um, they are, yeah, they, you know, year one under a new coach, Mike Rhodes, will, he'll get things right there um, eventually. But this first year, they've completely rebuilt that team. Some some high major transfers, some, you know, some guards who can go get you a bucket. But they, Penn State, they're, they've been a tough hang, and Sparty appears to have righted the ship. And it just went final as I sit here recording this. Michigan, St- Michigan loses at home in East Lansing, to the fighting Ben Johnsons of Minnesota, 73-71. Minnesota gets 18 from Mike Mitchell. Dawson Garcia with 13. uh, Four of their five starters in double figures, and then double figures off the bench from Pharrell Payne as well. So Minnesota now is 10. That makes them 11-3 on the season. So Ben Johnson... Fighting for his life, fighting for his job, and 
uh, right now, Minnesota, they'd say they're not in the they're not the seller in the in the Big Ten right now. They're one uh, two and one starting the league, and they are uh, you know that's uh, you know road wins in the Big Ten are not uh, they're a dime a dozen. They're not easy to come by. So Minnesota off to a two and one start. Uh, Rutgers and Iowa are the two teams that are winless in the league. Uh, I did just say Penn State, probably your new. Um, your new worst team in the league, they beat Ohio State in the early stretch. But I'd say right now Penn State trending toward the bottom, as is Michigan. I think every day that goes by, we inch closer and closer to the end of the Jawan Howard era in Ann Arbor. So those are kind of look around the Big Ten. Uh, like I said, I will have a recap of the Wisconsin game and a preview of Purdue coming to you on Monday before the game on Tuesday. Depending on how that game goes, who knows, may have some more content coming next week. But I appreciate everybody. going to try to definitely aim to have a Friday, Friday pods from now on. Um, you know, Consistency is the key when doing this. And uh, holidays with a little bit of an illness and uh, – you know, the got in the way and I wasn't, no, no offense, no offense to the listeners. I appreciate each and every one of you, but I wasn't going to hop on to talk about South Carolina state, but, um, I can close with this. Um, while I was sick last week, uh, this, one of the, one of the things that did get me out of my apartment, one of the few times I did leave, um, was the Metro holiday tournament on Saturday in Omaha, and uh, Saturday morning, uh, the basketball community—you know—they got the news that uh, Gretna head boys basketball coach Brad Feekin uh, passed away after a valiant battle uh, with cancer, and you know he had 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 been dealing with um, some complications from that as well. But uh, news dropped on Saturday morning that Coach Feekin had passed away. He was just 48 years old. And, um, you know, Gretna was slated to play in the holiday tournament quarterfinals that day. Um, and the Omaha basketball community, it's, it's Omaha's a, you know, it's a fair, fairly sized city. There's a lot of different high schools, a lot of AAU programs in this state, but it's still really tight, really, really tight knit. And I felt like I needed to get out of my apartment. I snuck over there, tried to, you know, kind of keep to myself, just wanted to, you know, wanted to be there because they played the game. Uh, it was, I heard that, you know, Gretna had, you know, they could have delayed the game. They could have taken a forfeit, but uh, those, the seniors, they wanted to play the game uh, for their head coach. And uh, not even 12 hours after uh, Coach Feekin passed away, uh, Gretna wins. Uh, they inbounded it in a tied game with eight seconds left. And uh, one of those seniors, Landon Pekorski, goes the length of the court and hits a tough floater on the baseline just before the buzzer to advance Gretna to the uh, semifinals. And that was, without a doubt, one of the more incredible scenes that I've seen in any setting for basketball. Um, there were so many people from the, you know, from Gretna. Um, I think it was just a, you know, I think people in that community just needed somewhere to be, somewhere to heal, somewhere to grieve, somewhere to be, you know, 
something, you know, they just needed a place to be. And the, those guys on the on that team, they needed somewhere to be too. And they um, they did that for their coach and for their community. And, you know, while I did not know Coach Feakin personally, um, you, can t- you can tell a lot about the impact that a coach has had by talking to their former players, talking to people in the community. Uh, Coach Feakin was a middle school teacher in Gretna and you know, people who, you know, had him as a, as a middle school teacher and this, you know, how he inspired his students, you know, to want to read more to, you know, he had nicknames for all his kids. Um, if you haven't read yet, Dirk Chatlin had an excellent story early in December that was published by the Flatwater Free Press. Um, Dirk, former longtime uh, Omaha World Herald writer, is now a volunteer assistant with the Gretna basketball program, and he lived lives down the down the street from the Feakins, and he, you know, it'll it's gut it's a gut wrenching read, but I recommend everyone can go read that. And then I also recommend Mike Sauter. Mike Sauter, um, heard at sports, who's everywhere, the hardest working man in Nebraska. And he wrote a very heartfelt, uh, tribute column to coach Feakin that you can find over on heard at sports.com. But that was one of the, the cooler scenes that I've gotten to see in basketball. And, um, you know, still sending my condolences, thoughts and prayers to, the Gretna basketball team, the community, and you know they've got the whole entire you know, Omaha basketball community behind them. Um, the you know opposing teams, you know teams that weren't even playing against Gretna, were wearing the four feet shirts. Uh, even the refs, a lot of people wearing green. I've got a little green ribbon that I had pinned on my shirt that I'm holding in my hand right now, and those are really moving, really cool. You know, scene to be a part of. So, um, if you need something to go read, go read Dirk. Go read Sauter's uh, pieces on uh, on Coach Feakin. So we can end on that. Um, you know, I, I I say at the end of every show, you know, to tell someone you love them. And uh, I know this time of year can be hard for a lot of people, but um, you know, with that news that uh, came out, you know, I just felt I needed to, you know, talk a little more about it, and you know, you know how. How crazy, you know, how crazy and cool that uh, that game was. So, can end on that note. You'll hear from me soon again. Um, you're gonna get some consistency from me too. Damn it, uh, 2024 resolution: be more consistent for the people. Um, so yeah, like like I, you know, Saturday one o'clock Wisconsin, Tuesday eight o'clock Purdue, next Friday eight thirty Iowa. Um, you will hear from me after Wisconsin to preview Purdue. And then, you know, depending on how that goes, we'll see. Um, thinking about making the trip to Iowa City next weekend. Maybe we'll go. Maybe I'll make the drive. Um, figure it out. But thanks again to everybody for listening. Appreciate everyone who's left a review, everyone who's tuned in, even if it's just for 30 seconds. If you have hit play and said, this guy sucks, um, still appreciate you anyway. Um, <laughs> thanks, everybody. Feedback has been excellent. You can follow me. On Twitter at Jacob A Bigelow, you can follow the show at Stretch Big Pod. I try to throw some some tweets on the podcast account during the games too that maybe I don't want to have on my personal. But um, you can email the show stretchbigpod at gmail.com. If you have any questions, inquiries, insights, 
anything is appreciated. If you can't tell by the fact that I'm recording a solo podcast talking about basketball, I like to talk. Uh, DMs are open. All that's all that good stuff. Um, so yeah, you will hear from me again soon. Like I say every show, be sure to tell someone you love them. I will talk to you again very soon. Thanks for tuning in to the Stretch Big Pod.